Hey folks, it's your pal Mike Shea from SlyFlourish.com and Twitter.com slash SlyFlourish, here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. This is a weekly show shot 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Times in which I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running a campaign in Eberron that I am calling The Second Morning. This is a homebrew campaign uh, set in Eberron. This show is brought to you by the Sly Flourish, the patrons of Sly Flourish. If you go to patreon.com slash Sly Flourish, you too can be a patron of Sly Flourish and help uh, keep this show going and keep the website going and keep a lot of the infrastructure going and equipment and bandwidth and server costs and all the kinds of back-end stuff that are required to keep the Sly Flourish empire alive. The folks at patron, patreon.com slash Sly Flourish are helping to keep all of that going. If you uh, become a patron of Sly Flourish, you get access to a... Uh, a unique adventure, an adventure that's only available to patron backers called uh, Regnum Rattus, The Rats in the Cellar. This is a one to five introductory adventure for D&D in which the characters meet with an old friend running an inn and try to discover why the rats in his cellar are becoming such a problem and what they find all kinds of mysteries that exist beneath uh, beneath the cellar. So if you would like access to that adventure and if you want to help Sly Flourish out, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash slyflourish. Uh, what other news and odds and ends? I got a couple of things I want to talk about today. I got a bunch of stuff to talk about today, but I have found that when I'm running a homebrew adventure, that it takes a lot of, uh, a lot more work than running a published adventure, at least for me. Uh, what I have found is when I run a published adventure, there's a lot of work up front to digest the adventure. If you've get this great big 300 page, you know, this end of is around here somewhere, great big 300 page adventure, you've got to sort of absorb it all in order to be able to run it all. You don't have to absorb the whole thing, but you got to be able to, you know, read large blocks of it, right? So reading 300 pages of it is, is tough. Um, so, um, but once you've absorbed it, it's usually, for me, it has been much easier to run session to session. Uh, when I am running my own campaign, because I focus on the next adventure primarily, which we can talk more about, I think it's still a valuable tool, it means I have to do more work for each session. Uh, I still do hardly any other work than what you see on this show. So, and, and this show tends to be a lot of banter and a lot of poking around and stuff. But I do notice that in the show, I don't have near as much time to just kind of hem and haw about nonsense. I've got like, I got work to do. I've got an adventure that I'm running in two hours and I don't have anything. Like, what am I going to do? So, um, yeah, so I definitely find that like of the steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, I really have to go through all eight when I'm running a... Uh, homebrew adventure, even if the campaign setting is not homebrew. Like Eberron is a well-defined setting and the book is a fantastic book. Uh, I really, really like this book. Lots of people here today. Uh, Evil John is here. Uh, my mom is here. Hello, mom. And uh, he's not your problem. And DM Samuel. Hey, everybody. So Shout77 says, hi, hi all. If we've not caught up on the back episode of the Eberron videos, will I be lost? Probably not. I don't know. Hang around. Find out. I don't think you'll be that lost. You know, it's D and D. Uh, you can also catch up on all of the previous ones on YouTube. All of these uh, videos are archived to YouTube, so um, you can you can watch and catch up there. You can also read the show notes. Oh my God, it's Mother's Day! Hi, happy Mother's Day, Mom. Um, I forgot to call my mom on Mom's Day. I'll call her later. I'll call you later, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. So, um, yeah, the uh, you can read through the show notes, and you can um. Uh, you can read through the show notes and you can also sort of catch up there, but you know, I don't, you know, you're not going to be that lost. So, uh, what else did I want to talk? I, I ran a one-on-one -on -one game, uh, with my wife and I yesterday, and that was awesome. And I wanted to talk more about running one-on-one -on -one games. Uh, I also, uh, started working on, this will definitely come up today. I worked on a, uh, D100 Factions of Eberron sheet. Uh, I just posted it to Twitter so you can find it there. Uh, I also posted it in my discord and it will be linked in the show notes here. Uh, when the video goes up, but I will actually, I, I can, I can, I can link it right now. Why don't I, uh, link it in the text chat. So all of you who are hanging out in text chat can click on that and take a look at it. And, uh, I will talk about that and why I made it and how to use it and all that sort of stuff. So, um, what did I want to, oh, and that's interesting discord changes. So there's, um, uh, I'm using discord. I'm running all my games currently over discord and this is really wacky. But my wife and I used Discord when we ran our D&D game together yesterday. And we're, in the, we're sitting at the same table. So rather than, like, shove all the IT aside and sit with our books and actually play D&D &D like the old days, uh, we both 
you know, she's got a character in D&D Beyond, and she knows how to incorporate it into Discord with um, uh, Avre. And I'm like, wow, I can load all the stuff from Avre, so why don't I just, you know. And, and it's like I have maps, but it's easier for me to share the little clip of the map that I do uh, when I'm, uh, you know, it's easier for me to share the, the clip from the map uh, that I do. And um, so we, we used Discord, and we were talking. We obviously didn't use the voice chat or anything like that, but we did use talking. We, we, used, our, we used our words. Um, but we used Discord for passing information back and forth, for doing dice rolls, for, for showing, like, the, you know, the one-dimensional battle map and all that, which is really, like, I was kind of, you know, it kind of freaked me out. And it freaked me out because it's like I'm kind of a big proponent of the fact that we have this game that can last through a nuclear war, that, you know, we have books and there's millions of them out there. And all you need are books and dice, and you can play D&D. You don't need anything else. And yet here I am playing a one-on-one game with my wife at our table. We've got our Wormwood dice tray sitting right there. We have our you know our, our um, level-up dice sitting in the dice tray. And yet we're still playing with Discord and D&D Beyond uh, because that stuff streamlines a lot of stuff, right? And that so that freaks me out a little bit, but it was sort of the easiest path. And boy... You, if you had told me two months ago that that was going to be the case, I never would have believed you. And yet here I am. It's like, ah, it's so easy to run with this Discord that we're just going to run. We have it already. We're all set up. We're all ready to go. I created a new channel just for our game. And there we went. So that was that was wacky. And again, I'm still like, eh, it makes me nervous because you're depending a lot on, on IT that is, um, you know, brittle. Right. IT is brittle. Like you got to have your network connections. You got to make sure all the companies are staying up to date. You, you hope that they stay in the same direction. They stay in that helps you and doesn't get in the way because of commercial reasons or whatever. So there's a lot of they, they can change things. Right. And the, the thing about fifth edition, which I just love, it's like we don't it doesn't matter what Wizards of the Coast does with fifth edition. It doesn't matter what direction they take it. Like we have the books. They're in our hands and we can run it forever the way we're running it right now. Right. We can run it for the rest of our lives with the books that we've got. So. You know, so then, like, to then say, like, yeah, but it's so much easier to run with D&D Beyond, and it's so much easier to run with, you know, Discord and Avre and all this stuff. It's like, well, maybe, I mean, Avre is really cool now, and I got some really cool stuff to show with Avre. But, um, you know, is it going to be the thing forever? On the other hand, it's like, well, the books are always a fallback. We have played with the books. We know we can play with the books. So there we go. But I think, like, a lot of players now are dependent upon, I mean, dependent is probably a strong word. They're dependent upon D&D Beyond. And uh, D&D Beyond is fantastic, and it's really great, and there's a reason why they're dependent on it, and that's because it's really, really good, and it's really, really streamlined. But that doesn't mean it'll be around forever, and it doesn't mean, like, it's got some some things that you can't do. Like, you can't play with um, Morgrave, uh, uh, with um, Midgard classes and races, because they only have the Watsi stuff in there. Uh, they don't have any of the stuff that's on DM's Guild, very little of the stuff that's on DM's Guild. So you can't play, like, classes and races that other people come up with. And that's, you can in pen and paper, but you can't in D&D Beyond, and that you know, so DM Samuel says, I think dependent is not too strong a word for a lot of people. Yeah, that they are dependent. The question is, could they play if it went down? And the answer is yes, we did. There was one weekend where like D&D Beyond was flaking out and nobody could use it. And we're like, ah, oh, wait, we could just write it down on a piece of paper. Right. And then we're like, oh, well, I'll just pull out my books. Right. And like, if you're like level 17 and you got this crazy detailed character, that could suck. But, um, you know, yeah. And one thing, and I, boy, you know, table pounding, uh, I'm going to recommend uh, make a backup character, like, you know, every so often, once a month or so, save your character to PDF and save it locally. And that way, if D&D Beyond goes out, you can print it and you've got it ready and you can, you know, hand jam changes to it. Uh, probably every level is probably worth doing. And just to have it on hand in case things flake out. Um, so, yeah, so Shout77 says, I bought into D&D Beyond and I sold all my core books. So, cool, you know, and and, you know, I am... I can't be like more hypocritical about this because I have a, um, uh, you know, I have like a lifetime subscription to D&D Beyond. I have all the books on there. And um, yeah, and I use it constantly. I use it when I'm prepping. I mean, I'm using it in this show. Uh, and I use it when I'm running my games and all of this stuff. Um, but the core books are my backup, right? Yeah, Evil John says, you insider. Yes. I am, in fact, a D&D Beyond insider because I wrote for them a while back. And, and they were very kind to make, give me insider status, which means I can show something today, which I hope is helping them because they are helping me. So uh, I have a cool thing that I want to show you today uh, in Offray, which is probably not too much of a secret if you've been following me on Twitter. Um, what was my point? I had a point. Oh, uh, so one thing is like when you buy books in D&D Beyond, you're not really buying them. You are buying a limited license to access the books. 
And the limitation on that license is until either Wizards of the Coast or D&D Beyond decides they don't want to give it to you anymore. Right. And I know that that is inside the, hey, Sam, thanks for coming. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, thanks for coming. So you have bought a limited term license to access the material. You didn't buy a copy of the material. And if you look into the license agreement, I'm almost sure that I'm not a lawyer, but I'm almost sure that that's true. Snark Knight says you're rent. Yeah, you're like leasing, right? You're like leasing. Is leasing the right term? I don't know. But you, you bought it one time. You paid your 20, 25, 30 bucks or whatever for, your, for the copy of the book. And you don't have to pay again, right? But it doesn't mean it's permanent. So like I bought the Eberron book right here. No one is going to come into my, and look, it's a special edition too, right? And no one is going to come in and take this away. And if they make any changes to Eberron or they decide that Wizards of the Coast isn't really interested in Eberron anymore, they're not going to come and take my book away right? It's, it's, it's here and it's, you know, thread bound, I think. Is it glue bound? It's glue bound. So, but this book with care can last a hundred years and no technology is required other than being able to read, right? So having the physical copy means I know that for the rest of my life, if I take care of this book, which I hope to do, I'll be able to play Eberron exactly how I want and no one can take it away. That isn't true with D&D Beyond. With D&D Beyond, I'm in and I love them and they're great. And I think they're worth the money for a lot of people, but it's important to know what kind of agreement we have with them. And the agreement is it's a limited term license and they can sever it if they want. Um, I'm not trying to scare anybody away from that. Just, I'm just trying to say like, you know, uh, you know, yeah, it's the same with iTunes and Spotify a little bit iTunes. It's different. So, uh, shout says it's like iTunes. The thing with iTunes is I have a local copy of my music that I bought from iTunes and it's DRM free. So I have all of that music. Randall Wright says I am a lawyer and I'm 100% you're correct. Okay, good. Yeah. I think, I think I'm, I think I'm right. Um, there's a, there's one level of verification. Uh, and, uh, Austin, Austin Nada says, uh, they will sever it when 6E comes out. I don't like talking about 6E. That freaks me out. Um, but you know, who knows? And maybe they won't, right? I, I don't know. Like they, it would be a bad decision for them to do it. Obviously it would really hurt a lot of reputation. People use it, but you never know. And I'll ask like, Hey, how's everybody's fourth edition, uh, access on D and D going these days? You guys, you guys get, getting a lot from that? Cause the answer, no, it's gone. Right. I'm pretty sure it's not there. And there was like, you remember D and D insider? It was gone. Right. All that stuff's gone. Now I've got all my fourth edition books sitting right over there. So I still have 4E and I could still play it right? Not that I want to, but it's over there. And yeah, anyway, enough of that rant. What is that? 15 minutes? Holy cow. Um, let's talk about my D&D game and my crazy hair. You know, my hair is going to get... So I wonder if my crazy rants are, in, are, are proportional to my crazy hair, that as my hair gets crazier, my rants on this show are going to get crazier until it's going to be like sticking out like uh, Doc, you know, like the Doc from Back to the Future. And I'll just be like, yeah. So who knows? Uh, David Bridgman just said, I got here and missed the rant. I'm very sorry you missed the rant. Um, yeah, don't trust, don't trust anything but the books you have in your hand, I think is the, is my, uh, my rant, the short side of my rant. Uh, my mom does believe that my crazy rants are proportional to my crazy hair. I thought it looked pretty good today. I parted it. I haven't like parted my hair in a while because normally I do like the, why the fuck am I, oh God, I just swore. Why am I talking about, um, my hair? So let's talk about the game. Uh, I am running Eberron and I am uh, on session eight of Eberron. So, so many Slide Flourish D&D memes coming out. Excellent memes. So when we last left our heroes, they had decided to go to the ruined temple of Balinor down in Fallen. Fallen is a district in Lower Dura in Sharn. I'm getting really, you know, the problem with this is I'm like eight sessions in and now I really understand Sharn. And it took me running eight sessions to really understand Sharn. And it's a bummer because it's like, I wish I was as understanding about Sharn when I started this campaign as I was now, but as I am now, but here I am. So, uh, lower Dura, one of the district, one of the five districts of Sharn, lower Dura is in the lower section and it's a real bad place. And, uh, fallen in particular, it's a really interesting, um, it's a really interesting spot. Uh, fallen 
is a previous temple district that was destroyed during the last war when terrorists blew up towers up above and the towers collapsed down and wrecked all of the temples that sat below. And, um, and now it's like filled with cultists and weird magic and all kinds of stuff down there. Um, so, uh, yeah, mythical Mothman says Keith Baker wrote, uh, so much rad stuff into this setting. Yeah. It's a really neat setting. I like playing in it. It's a very different setting because so much of its design is contemporary rather than, uh, uh, based on lore and on mythology from hundreds and hundreds of years ago. It's like the cold war, you know, and it's, you know, world war two and, or world war one and world war two. It's got all these, these sort of like, uh, uh, feelings. It's got James Bond in there. It's got Raiders of the Lost Ark in there. It's got Maltese Falcon in there. It's got all kinds of like modern day, you know, questions about nuclear war. You know, it's got all this sort of modern stuff that is uh, wrapped around this setting. And uh, it, it means that for, you know, if you're, if you're kind of dig into contemporary fiction a bit more, you can, you can use a lot of that. If you watch your James Bond and your, your Indiana Joneses and your Maltese Falcons and you know, all this kind of stuff, you know, Hitchcock and everything else, you can sort of, you can drop a lot of that stuff in. Yeah, and as Snark Knight says, it has a lot of intentional blank spaces. One of what, a great big blank spot is one that I'm focusing my whole campaign around, which is what caused the morning or what's going to cause the next morning. Um, so the characters went down to Fallen in Lower Dura. Uh, they went through, they met, uh, so there were all, when they first went into Fallen, they met a bunch of crazy cultists who were following a, God uh, called Sol, S-O-L. Sol turned out to be a living God, a God walking around who was actually a uh, fallen idol uh, that had come to and, and taken over one of the temples and fallen and just sort of looks sinister standing at doorways and stuff like that. And But the cultists are a bunch of cannibals. And at first the cultists all attacked the group and went after them. Uh, and then they killed a bunch of them. And then some of them, Soul kind of, you know, came out and then they turned and, you know, gave themselves up. And um, then the party went to the Temple of Oron and they did a bunch of stuff there and they left. And then they came back. And when they came back, they were surrounded by about 30 or 40 of these cultists of Soul, all these weird, like, degenerates and, you know, like, emaciated, you know, practically undead kind of people who are, like, looking at them. And all of the people just laid down and, like, put their arms out, like, in, in, in worship to the party. And the party's like, what's going on? And Soul is still standing at his doorway watching this whole thing going on. And they're like, wow, something really changed. And I think what changed is that Soul is kind of tuned into the draconic prophecy and the characters are part of the prophecy. And so he considers them sort of like holy figures. And that means all of his people consider them like holy figures. So that was creepy and weird. And, then, and the group was like, well, that was creepy. I'm like, yeah, good. That's what I was going for. It's creepy. Um, when someone asks if you're a god, you say yes. Uh, is there a map of Sharn? Yes. Uh, so the, 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 the book has a map of Sharn, uh, and, uh, Elven Tower, my friend Elven Tower, who did all of the maps for Ruins of the Grendelroot has done a wonderful map pack for Sharn that you can get on the DMs Guild. Um, if anybody wants to throw a link into the chat, that'd be awesome. But yeah, there's some really good maps of Sharn. Um, and basically it's like five levels and then each one has sort of five districts. So there's a lot of districts and levels that goes up. It's actually pretty well organized for a massive, massive city. Um, for a massive, massive city, it is uh, pretty easy to figure out because you sort of have these five, you know, you almost think about like five tubes, right, that make up the neighborhoods. And it's like, I can only name Dura because Dura is where I spend all my time. Apparently, I don't know Sharn as well as I thought. Um and then the upper districts are like where your rich folk live. Then you have like the middle class group and then you have the low class, you know, the low, low group. And, um, and then there's stuff up above. There's a, there's like a super, super like upper 0.1% group that lives in a place called Skyreach, which is a big floating city. And that was where the characters went a couple of sessions ago. And then, uh, then there's some that are like on the lower outskirts and it's like the, um, it's like where the mud pits are and the cogs and some of the, like a lot of the lowest parts of, of Sharn exist even below the low tier. So uh, lots of, yeah, Dura is for adventurers, right? Dura, I really love Dura as the district that I, that I run. And you can upper, middle, and lower Dura works really well. Yeah, there it is. Uh, David Bridge, uh, the missing schema is uh, this place. Uh, is that the one that has all the maps in it? I think it does. Yes. Fantastic. Um, Let's see, I, I opened up the wrong one here. Um, 
Yeah, this is the product, by the way. Yeah, four bucks. Oh, man. But it comes with a whole bunch of high-res images. So it's got big high-res images of every one of these districts. Here's, here's, the, here's the, the kind of you know, image of, of the Sharn maps. Um, now, the interesting thing is this one was done, I think, when Eberron, the, the first the Wayfinder, Wayfinder's Guide came up. And I think he took a lot of the neighborhoods from a lot of the 3.5 stuff. So there's neighborhoods and stuff that are on here that aren't in the book. And that's a little tricky to deal with. But it's still a wonderful map. I actually use these maps in my Discord channel to show people um, to show people what's going on. I think I can... Let me see if I can pull that up. Let me go to my... I have so many games, Sunday maps and handouts. Um, yeah, so I created this. Uh, this is my like high-res version of all of the maps of Sharn. And I put it into one big image. So yeah, Memphis Plateau, Tavix Landing, Central Plateau, North Edge... And Dura are the five districts. And then each of those has a, you know, upper. So here's like Skyway, Brilliant, and Azure. And here's, you know, the Cogs, right? Ash Black and Kyber's Gate and Blackbone and, you know, the terrible district. So I put all these together and then you have like the side view, you know, like what does this place look like? So I put this all together in one big image that, that the char- the players can zoom in on and, and investigate when they're looking at like what's going on in the Sharn. So that was really handy. Uh, but you can pick this up, uh, and and I highly recommend it uh, from uh, Elvin Towers. Excellent, Sharn the Missing Schema, which is an adventure he wrote. Uh, that includes uh, yeah, Elvin Towers, an absolutely wonderful cartographer, and um, he wrote a whole adventure, including all the maps, and it's really good. So the characters went to the. I got to jump back to the game, or I'm never going to get prepped. Uh, the characters went to. Um, the Fallen Temple of Balinor, and they crawled through and they f- found out that the whole temple had been corrupted by this like necrotic influence that it was a, um, it was a, uh, what do they call it? Uh, a sort of a borderland between the uh, plane of nature and the wilds, and then became one to Mabar, the plane of death, and it was corrupted by that. And as they crawled through, they found a altar with a skull, a black onyx skull, and black ooze was pouring out of the skull's mouth spilling out over this whole temple and causing like sentient creatures they fought a couple of psychic gray psychic gray oozes are my new favorite creature next to thugs psychic gray oozes are just crazy fun so they had some psychic gray oozes and they fought some undead shifters which worked really well and um they uh what else uh, then they found – they fought a couple of Emerald Claw. They found out the Emerald Claw is in, in this temple too. And then they opened the door and came into the final chamber and now are going to face uh, a necromancer of the Emerald Claw who is uh, who, who is twisted a gateway to Mabar. So that's our strong start today. Um, and let me jot that down and then we'll jump right to the characters. Uh, necromancer of the emerald claw emerald claw is a great villain by the way they're like your nazis you know and and everyone hates nazis so you know the emerald claw is a fantastic villain to have in there because you can just throw emerald claw at the characters and they have like kooky they fight with undead so you have like you know humans plus undead or or human you know living creatures plus undead fighting a lot it's really it's really great so i highly recommend the emerald claw as a villain um, House Tarkanon is another kind of one, but I'm not really using House Tarkanon, but they'd be another fun. They're kind of a little bit more sly. So who are the characters? Right, step one of Return to Lazy Dungeon Master. Who are the characters? Characters are uh, Arwen, Chi, Zizu, uh, a scribing gnome artificer. Father was a famous hero. Has a dodecahedron that has like clues in it. Definitely going to use that. So I wrote little adventurer options in here because I was talking about, I think last week, I talked about how I want to make sure to be steering this campaign towards the backgrounds of the characters because I can because it's a homebrew campaign. So, um, uh, you know, so that works differently. Than we've ever oh yeah. So what's the wayfinder's guide and the hardcover book. Thank you, John, for answering that question. Uh, so there's, uh, adventure options. Um, you know, find, find the father's word to open the decahedron could be a whole adventure into itself. Right. So it's, it's like, what adventures can I pull the characters? What can I, what adventures can I full pull from the characters backgrounds and turn into a thing? Uh, Shift is a uh, Warforged Warlock, Pact of the Undying, one of the f- first original Warlock Warforged that was actually built by from a human and turned into a Warforged. So uh, kind of like a cyborg, like a like a heavy heavy cyborg. 
Um, adventure options. Uh, well, this, this is a dark secret, right? Uh, her life was actually fueled by Lady Elmara of the Emerald Claw. Uh, High-level Emerald Claw members know who she is, uh, and she uh, may have to face Lady Elmaro, uh, and the EC wants her back, right? She has this missing time. It turns out that she's fueled by the Emerald Claw necromancy. Doesn't mean that she's, like, you know, does what they want, but the Emerald Claw is like, look, we made you, and, we, you know, you're, our, you're a new super soldier for us. So I think that that could be a fun... Um, yeah, shout. If you have Eberron Rise of the Last War, I don't think there's anything in Wayfinder's Guide that isn't in Rising. And many of the chapters are exactly similar. Because whenever I do a search on an Eberron thing, I almost always get identical paragraphs from both books. Uh, Saber, Brian, is a uh, long-tooth shifter, monk, bounty hunter, called to the Temple of Balinor, um, uh, and has now, uh, monk order wants him to fulfill part of the Draconic Prophecy, I think is, is one area that we're going to tie into more. Uh, Shane Husk, Hobgoblin Wizard, crime novelist, uh, wrote a best-selling book about the Mornland and um, uh, previously served with the heirs of Dakan as a military strategist and historian. So, yeah, as a as a uh, Hobgoblin. So there's definitely some Dakan kind of stuff we could throw in here. Uh, has clues in the book that can help him find the group, uh, to help them find the Claw Spire, I think is a, a, an adventuring idea. Um, Claw Spire is the name of the... Um, Heirs of Dakon are so cool, yeah. So uh, we have Banner, a Warforged Paladin of the Becoming God, uh, was with the Lord of Blades, then left the Lord of Blades when it found out like Lord of Blades is just a butcher and um, wants to try to put together, um, you know, is, is trying to work to find the Godforge, this idea of like the, the holy, the holy, you know, the God of Warforge, right? And so I think there's a lot of options when we get to the whole um, Mornland part of this campaign where we will be able to tie into that. Uh, Zarentir Delandir is a Tempest Cleric, Storm Sorcerer, Mark of the Storm, Half-Elf, uh, and was uh, father, or family kind of kicked him out. I'm thinking that the father is an Orm. Orm is a, yeah, I wrote some good stuff in here. Uh, father is an Orm Silver Ringer who disapproves of Zarentir's current behavior and believes that they should work with Ludo Skull. Father is an airship called the Goldbright, and maybe the characters can get a hold of it. Um, so those are the characters uh, our strong start is uh, the facing off against the necromancer of the emerald claw and if we take a look let's see let's pull up the map uh, ruined temple of Balinor and let's go over here and pull that up uh, so the location is this room right here on the on the left and um, I think the party's pretty beat up so I think what I'm going to do is rescale. Oh, I know a perfect, a perfect creature. Um, uh, wild war, uh, wild warlock says, "Good morning. Just checked in to let you know I'm running Dragon Rise for the first time. DM for my first uh, time playing family and your prep on one-on-one videos. Great. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Dragon Vice Bar Peak is a lot of fun. So I hope you enjoy it and congratulations on, on playing and DMing for the first time for your family. That's awesome." Playing with family is a great way to kind of stay together and stay sane in these strange times. Um, so, yeah, uh, the, the I think one of the creatures I can use for this uh, is in D&D Beyond. Just talking about how not to always trust D&D Beyond, but it's right here. And we're going to go to an adventure, and we're going to use Descent into Avernus. And people are like, what? Why are you using Descent into Avernus? And we're going back in here to look at... The Cult of the Dead 3, and in particular, look at um, the Cultus of Merkel. So, uh, yeah, so I think we're going to use the Necromite of Merkel. Uh, so let's go back up to my strong start, right? Um, uh, monsters include uh, Necromite of Merkel. Um, the cult of Urkel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's not your problem. Says I love the custom customized cultists. I do too. And I want to use them. So we have, um, uh, we have a few, uh, skull lasher of Merkel, which is a CR one, uh, attacks with an iron flail and is able to fire ray of sickness. And it's got some hefty spells here, including shield. Um, so that's not bad. Uh, two attacks with its flail that do 11 points of damage a hit. That's 22 points of damage this thing can output. 
That's high. Wow, that's high. And does Ray of Sickness, what level is it? Kind of uh, Third level Spellcaster, yet it's Ray of Sickness is doing two dice damage? I wonder why. Um, oh, sorry, Ray of Sickness is a, uh, yeah. And then we have the Master of Souls, which is a CR4. And I think, so the, the thing about the, the Master of Souls that makes it so powerful is Fireball. And I think we're going to take Fireball away. Um, I think if you take this, because the characters are fourth level, I think. And if you were to fire off Fireball, you'd wipe everyone out. But a Master of Souls, um, uh, so we have ne Necromite of Merkel and Master of Souls are two, um, two types of monsters. And then we can throw a couple more of the, um, uh, what are they? Oh, Witherlings, right? Is it Witherings? Withering. Uh, and a with no witherling, I guess it is. There it is, no witherling, right? And no null witherlings are um, they are gnolls, uh, undead gnolls, and they're nice and low level. They have eleven hit points. They hit twice, so they can hit kind of hard. Uh, biting biting a claw, but you can do a biting claw instead. So they're a good one. Um, they're a good one to pull up. So, uh, I think that those are some good monsters now. So we have six characters. We're going to use the Sly Flourish official encounter building guideline. And I'm already going to tell you it's going to be deadly. I don't even really need to look, but let's for funsies, let's do it. So we have six fourth level characters. Uh, so that's 24 total levels, right? Um, four times six is 24. Uh, and then you divide that by a fourth, which is six. I can do math. And, um, so we can do CR, the total CR of all of the monsters in a fight should be six. Uh, our, our witherlings are a fourth, which means you can do four witherlings, uh, equals one right? Uh, your necromites, did I already, I already got rid of my, grr. Um, necromites are a half. So two necromites, uh, is one CR. And then your, uh, master of souls is a four. Uh, and that's six. So that is just on the edge of deadly. I'm pretty sure. Um, so for funsies, let's actually, uh, whip that up and, um, build an encounter and see, we're going to create a new encounter, uh, manage the characters. We have six fourth level characters, and then we do wither. Null Withling, and we add, and we're going to do four of those guys. And then we do Necromite of Merkel, and we add, and then we do two of them. Look at that. It's still trivial because they're low, but they're not really that low. This is still hard. And we add our Master of Souls, and you bang, and like, oh, right up to Deadly. All right, so it's just <laughs> just on the edge of deadly. So the adjusted experience is three thousand, and deadly is three thousand. So, um, so if you notice the Sly Flourish official encounter building head math is exactly on the actual math. That's a rare thing. 
it's rare for it to work out like that, but it did, which means, you know, I was able to build an encounter in my head without any calculations, no math, no tables, nothing. And it, uh, I'm showing off now, but it was exactly, you know, <laughs> the reality is it never actually works out quite that well. So what is the, yeah, nice, even numbers, right? So how did that work again? If, in case anybody wants to figure out, so we have the sly flourish, um, uh, encounter building guidelines. And it's, it's one, I think it's one line, you know, it's a one line description, which is, uh, a fight is deadly when the sum total of monster challenge ratings equals half of the sum total of character levels or one-fourth of character levels if the characters are below fifth level. So that's one sentence, right? And really what you just have to remember is the halvesies and the fourthies, right? A fight is deadly when the sum total of monster challenge ratings, when you add all your monster challenge ratings together, equals half the sum total of character levels, uh, if they're fifth level or above or a quarter of their character levels, if they are below fifth level. And in my case, they are fourth level. Therefore it's one quarter. So what you do is you, you take all of your character challenge rating, all of your character levels in a big pool, six times four, and then divide it by a fourth, six. And then that's your CR budget. I don't really like to think of it as a CR budget. But you, you you can then say, okay, well, like, you know, how many of them make sense? And in this case, like having two, four witherlings, two necromites, and a master of souls is just on the edge of deadly. And I actually think it may, like, we better have all six. If we start, I'll, I'll tell you, if if we're one character less, I will probably drop at least one of the necromites, maybe both of the necromites. Um. We'll have to see. Yeah, I'll have to tune this by ear. But let's let's do another version of this where there's only four players, right? This is six players. Six fourth level. So I have a question for the chat today. Uh, wow, 47 viewers in chat. So does it make sense? Does that idea that a fight is deadly when the sum total of monster challenge ratings equals half of the sum total of character levels or a fourth of character levels if the characters are below fifth level? Does that make sense? So, and, and if the Master of Souls isn't using his Fireball in theory, what it reduces, probably. He's probably a little weaker, but he's already badass anyway. So the Fireball, I think, is actually above a CR4. Um, you know, okay, good. So people, people make sense, right? Add all your character levels together, divide it by either one half or by fourth, depending on their level. And then that, then look at the number of total challenge levels of all of your character, of your monsters. And if it's about equal, that's deadly. That doesn't mean you can't go above it. And it certainly doesn't mean you can't go below it. Uh, I'm a big fan of doing weaker fights. You know, a lot of people like they like every fight to be like a challenge. No, throw that, throw that idea away. Um, go ahead and throw weaker fights in there, particularly when in theater of the mind and they can be done quickly. I get it even though I suck at head math. Great. Yeah. Like it's, you know, divide, divide by, and it's a lot easier when they're over fifth level because it's half. Fourth is kind of a pain in the ass. Um, so let's say they have fourth. That's 16, right? And uh, four, right? So now we only have four. So we would theoretically have to drop both necromites um, to get it. Well, re- well, really? So in theory, if they only have four characters, we have to drop all the witherlings and all the necromites and just keep the master of souls who's a CR four in the south. And you know, one quarter though, not one fourth. Yeah. One quarter. Uh, it was half or a quarter. Yeah. Um, so I would probably still keep, I would probably keep the witherlings in there or I might drop to like two witherlings and one necromite just to kind of spice things up because one creature definitely gets just aced when they're by themselves. Like there's a, there's definitely a, you know, you got to measure your action economy in here too. And um, yeah. So anyway, I feel strong about that. Uh, uh, I feel, I feel good about that. Isn't one quarter, one fourth by definition? Probably, but the vocabulary is such that if I say half, I should say a quarter, I should say a quarter, not a fourth. I don't think. 
whatever. So, um, yeah. So the nice thing is we're going to start with a big fight. It's going to be a big fight. It's going to be hard. Um, and the uh, uh, I think the characters have been kind of run through the ringer a little bit. So we'll, we'll see how they're going to do. But hopefully there are six of them. And uh, the other part of it, so there's some features of the location. Um, and we have the portal... Really, the main feature is the portal to Mabar, and we'll have the weeping, the weeping statues is a cool feature. Uh, is there any other? I think two features is fine. Um, uh, Got to say, these monsters are very useful for my upcoming ha- campaign's upcoming conflict with the Dead Three. Yeah, they are Dead Three cultists. Uh, glad to see some cultists aren't complete stock. Oh, I, I like cultists. I like the stock cultists. I think are great. I like the ones that just run up with a scimitar. And go, ah, they're just fun to beat. And then the cult fanatics are great. You know, I love cult fanatics and man, like they're really powerful. You know, you tweak a cult fanatic, they can be really, really rough. Um, even at high levels, they can be rough. Uh, I'm just bagging on NA. We never say a fourth here. Where's NA? Oh, no, North America. Yeah. Where's here? Um, so what else? Yeah. So our scenes are uh, finish the temple of Balinor, the Fallen Temple. Um, return to uh, their abode, which is uh, Cafe Obscura. And then we'll have downtime. What do you want to do in downtime? And we have a few different, um, a few different potential downtime activities. Uh, that they could um, uh, that they could look into um, meeting with criminal contacts, meeting hunting the Emerald Claw, investigating Morgrave University, investigating the Dask, um, shift could meet her maker, uh, and investigate Lido's skull. Um, it's probably not bad, so I don't know where they're going to go, but um, it's probably not bad to come up with character. Character focus downtime. Like, what are the activities that I can help them? Uh, that's six. It looks like six. Um, uh, so Z, for example, can investigate the dodecahedron, right? Like, you've got it. You know, kind of finding out more about what's going on there. Uh, that could work. Uh, we have shift. We have um, saber. Let's see if we can remember all the character names. Uh, we have. Um, oh man, I suck. Um, Shane Husk. Uh, book tour. So what would be a uh, a book signing? Would be a fun bit of downtime activity. Uh, shift, meet your maker. Um, I think I'm going to keep him at fourth level for one more adventure. I might, I might be a dick and hold them back to fourth level for one more adventure and then knock them up. Cause fifth, like, you know, the world, the, the, the top pops off the world. The, the top pops off the world when you get to fifth level. Um, so who's past character? Uh, who else am I missing? It's always hard when, uh, oh, and who's Joe's character? Oh, Banner, right? So I know Banner. So it's just Pat's character. Man, I suck. Um, and he has an elven name. Oh, God, I gotta remember his name. Uh, Zarentir. How am I gonna remember Zarentir? Hello, Kitty. Kitty says hello. Um, what do you want, Kitty? Uh, so Saber could um, investigate the 
Oh, don't you touch the mic, man. You touch the mic and it shorts out and then my voice goes away. This has happened before. Why don't you go up here? Go up to your perch. There you go. There you go. Hang out. So, um, yeah, so uh, Saber can investigate the monks of who, and there's like a shifter place, right? Like, oh man, somebody help me out. Uh, there is a land in, um, let's do a quick, uh, uh, there is one of the Eberron la lands where shifters hang out. The Eldine Reaches. So let's do a quick search on the Eldine Reaches. And you see how we were talking about whether or not the book, and if you notice, you'll have Wayfinder's Guide and Rising the Last War, basically the same. Um, so Druidic Magic, but uh, you, know, you could definitely do some uh, Monks of the Towering Wood. Um, so he chose which one? The Elements. Um Uh, yeah, it can still work, right? The, the Druidic traditions of the Eldine, uh, important in the Eldine. Um, investigate the monks of the Towering Wood, right? Which is like a small sect. And maybe, you know, I mean, you could have four winds, right? The, the, um, the four winds monks of Towering Woods. Um, I'm going to add some background story to it. Uh, and basically like, you know, he can find, he can do some research into learning more about these monks of the four winds that came out of the towering wood in the Eldine reaches. Uh, play sessions are three hours long. We start at noon and we end about three. Uh, Shane Husk could go on a book signing, uh, Zarentir meet his father. Uh, and I think his father's going to be like a real bastard, uh, you know, a rich member of the, um, a rich member of the Orem, you know, I think that'll work. Uh, and what can Banner do? Oh, investigate. Um, Nevermind. Uh, he could go to Nevermind or investigate uh, the Becoming God in Sharn. Um, those are some character focused downtime activities, kind of one for, you know, one or more for each characters. Uh, so that I think, uh, works nice. Then their next adventure paths that they can take is acquiring the Tome of Kul Seer in Tower 6 of Morgrave University, uh, meet the hidden agent of the Dask and the Cogs. Um, they don't know who the hidden agent is. It's actually meet, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Cavella. Uh, meet Cavella. Cat, what are you doing? Stop it. Come on. What are you doing back there? Cat. Cat likes to scratch at the wall these days. Um, uh, and they recovered the insignia of the claws from the Fallen Temple. So that has been done. Uh, investigate the Northern Wind, the ship that brought back the Dragon Shard, or hunt... Down the emerald claw in the crypts. So, uh, hunt down the emerald claw in the crypts. So, there, this is one of those where I need that Sharn map again. Uh, I think it's in the dungeons of Sharn. Let's go to sources, source books, uh, Eberron. They have this good section on the dungeons of Sharn, which is a really good one because, yes, in the city of the dead. Uh, So that can be a good one. Um, so we have some good adventure. Man, I got nine minutes left. There's so many things I haven't talked about today. Ugh. Um, so secrets and clues. Um, Lord Crash, the EC leader in Sharn. Uh, is operating out of the City of the Dead. Um, everyone 
so uh, multiple groups seek the power of the morning. This includes EC, um, the Droam, uh, the Orum. And the Aurum. Uh, oh, but it's more than just that, right? Um, Breland. Um, King's Dark Lanterns. Um, House Kenneth. And the Finder's Guild. They're all seeking this thing. Um, the Power of the Morning requires three things uh, a power source like a huge Eberron crystal um, the location of Klospire the laboratory uh, in the Mornland and uh, the spells to fuel it or to, to power, to fuel it. Yeah. To, to channel it, uh, which are in the tomes of making and the tome of Colsier. So, um, uh, those are some meaty secrets, three line secrets. Uh, what else? So there are multiple paths for each of these. Um, oh, let's see. So Klosbar was built over a Kyber rift somewhere in Sire. Its location was lost after the morning. Uh, let's see. Members of House, members of House Kenneth knew where uh, Clawlift was, but they're now dead. Um, Lido seeks um, a, uh, I guess it's a crystal, right? Uh, an artifact said to point the way to Claw Rift. Um, big secret, the Droam, uh, the daughter's of the drum have their own crystal, uh, their own shard, their own dragon shard already. It's Kyber and it's terrible. Uh, what other secrets and clues uh, do I want to... Uh... So this came up in Twitter uh, this past week, and it was a really good question. It's probably worthy of an entire article, which is uh, about sort of the trail of MacGuffins. And if you think about it as like the, so I've got these fronts, right? And the, sort of the fronts that are working directly against the characters are the Emerald Claw, the Droam, and the and the Orum. Um, Droam slash Dask, and the Orum. Uh, and then you have these other factions that are also kind of seeking it out, but they're not really directly involved. And that's King's Dark Lanterns, House Kenneth, and the Finder's Guild. Uh, so what happens, like, if you think about um, Leto Skull as the, the Orm guy and that Leto Skull is trying to uh, acquire the three things he needs, right? He needs a huge crystal. He needs a location for Claw Rift. And he needs um, the books of spells, right? And uh, he... Um, uh, what if he fails, right? So what if the characters, so here's a secret. Lido is getting ready 
to move his dragon shard uh, out from his vault. Um, what if he fails? Like, what if the characters, like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, managed to get the Ark, right? Like, what if, what if when Indy got the, imagine that, you know, Indy finds out that, um, Belloc and the Nazis ha- have the Ark, and then he goes through that whole trouble of the whole truck scene, and he manages to steal the Ark and get it back. And now he's on his own driving in this Nazi truck with the Ark of the Covenant in the back, right? And then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go with my friend Sala, and we're going to get in a boat, and we're going to get the hell out of here, right? Um, yeah, and so he's not your problem. says, it's like Mission Impossible with the MacGuffin constantly jumping from one faction to another. Yes, the hard part is when the characters have access to the faction, players are really smart. They're smarter than characters in movies are. So they know how to protect it and make sure it never gets anywhere, right? They they answer those questions like, why not just dump it into the ocean, right? Like, if the Ark of the Covenant is so powerful, just shove that box overboard, right? Just don't know where you are. Don't even tell anybody you're doing it. Shove it overboard, and no one will ever know where it went, right? And um, and then you don't have to worry about anybody. I mean, that's basically what happened anyway, right? They're stuck in a big warehouse where nobody can get it. So, you, right? So players will think of stuff like that. And so, so trying to get if your if your story is dependent upon the villains getting something back from the characters, you're pretty screwed. So instead, you want to make sure the villain has backup plans, right? That um, that's how you get the magical squid empire, man. That'd be pretty badass, right? That yeah, maybe that's what happened in uh, what was that um, in the abyss? You remember the movie The Abyss? That was actually they got the Ark of the Covenant in the '40s and they became these super like spectral spectral um, sea sea monster things. So yeah, The Abyss is actually an alternate history of Raiders of the Lost Ark, in which uh, Indiana Jones threw the Ark out of the back of the ship when no one was looking, and created uh, super intelligent squid people. So, um. So if Leto Skull, if they find out that Leto Skull is going to move the um, dragon shard and they're like, wow, we got to do something about, you know, what are they going to do? How are they going to do it? And then let's say they succeed and they actually manage to get the shard out and they dump it or something, right? What does Leto Skull do then? And I think his next move is I'm going to have to go steal that other one. Right, I know that the the Droam have one, and then I'll have to get the Kyber Crystal instead of the Eberron Crystal. So he has a backup plan, right? So villains should have a backup plan that does not require them acquiring something back from the characters that they acquired. Right, same way with the location. There have to be multiple paths to find the location of Claw Rift because the characters are going to find one, but the villains are going to find one too. You want the villains? Some some villains know, like maybe. Drawham already knows where it is. Now, maybe they, they fail, and maybe what happens is they'll face off against Leto Skull and beat him, right? And then they're like, wow, we just shut that whole line off. We got his books. We got his crystal. We got his, the location of Claw Rift. We're done. And then they find out, yeah, I'm sorry. He wasn't the only one. And the Drawham, they're doing it. The, the, the daughters of the Drawham are doing it, right? So... um you know, uh, uh, the eyes of the drone of the daughters are upon you, especially those of the one who cannot see eyes of the daughters are upon you. That's a prophecy. Um, so you always want to have like this interwoven. You also don't want to screw the players over when they do something really smart. And they manage to thwart the villains. Then the villains thwarted, right? You don't want to be like, oh, he's got a backup plan. And it, it totally didn't matter. You never want to have it where like the MacGuffin doesn't matter, right? You want to have it where, you know, the MacGuffin is something to, to follow. And, and a good example of this that I think we were talking about on one of the previous shows is um, Rise of Skywalker. That in, in Rise of Skywalker, there's a lot of MacGuffins, right? There's, there's the weird crystal things that show you where the Sith planet is. There's also the knife that shows you where the crystal is inside of the fallen Death Star. There's all sorts of like little archaic bits in that. And it's like, well, there's actually two crystals that can show. And um, Kylo Ren's got one. And the other one is inside the Death Star, right? Um, 
And then doesn't – oh, yeah, he destroys one of them, right? But she gets the other one from his ship, and so she ends up using his ship to get there. So, yeah, there's all kinds of, like, passing back and forth. But you kind of want MacGuffin backups, right? And and one whole line of backups could be there's a whole other group the players don't have any access to. Maybe they hear about him, and maybe that sinister shadow on the horizon. And that they're going through the same steps that your villain is going through, only you're not in the way. And that would be, like, the, the sisters of the drum, right? The, the daughters of the drum, right? The daughters of the drum – they're collecting this stuff, right? And they're acquiring it. And, um, you know, yeah, that that can, that, that can work. So do I have one last secret? Um, I need one last secret about that. Well, I, you know, the, the Droam. I already have it. They have the Dragon Shard already. Uh, so I guess one more secret is like, who else? Oh, um, Z's father knew the location of claw rift but he died so so here's an interesting one right now you've got two locations for claw rift uh one of them z has been wearing around her neck this whole time and all she has to do is open up the dodecahedron and inside is a clue to find claw rift but Z's father also knew the location, but Z's father is dead. But the Emerald Claw has no problem talking to dead people. So they might be able to draw it out of Z's father's tomb. And maybe that's where the Emerald Claw is. And that's how they find that location too. And now you've got multiple paths for the location that people are finding. So, you know, that that's how we kind of deal with multiple paths. So I got my secrets and clues. I've got downtime scenes. Um, fantastic locations, ruined temple, Balinor. I don't really have any others right now. I got my Morgrave University locations in Sharn. I got some other ones, but I'm going to have to hand if they actually get there. I have a feeling that it's going to be today is going to be finishing the Lost Temple of Balinor, downtime scenes, then figuring out where they're going to go, and by then it'll probably be over. So I have a feeling that we'll be we'll be over at that point. Uh, I got my bunch of NPCs, monsters. We're all good on monsters. I, I've already figured those out for the main area. Uh, the icon of the claws. I do want to ask the ca- the players what other kind of uh, magic items they want. Then I've got my Avre commands, and I got my marching order, and um, my one dimensional combat battle map, markdown map. So that is that. I think so. There was a bunch of things I wanted to talk about today, and I didn't didn't get a rant to talking about. I wanted to show off um, Avre thing. Well, I'll show it off real quick. So uh, pardon me for having a couple of minutes. We're going to jump over to Discord. I'm going to jump over to my one-on-one game channel. This is where uh, Michelle and I were playing. And I'm going to jump into my DMs channel. And you can see the lunatic baboon bashing you with a cement-filled bucket custom monster that I that I've worked. Uh, Avre, so what is Avre? Avre is a bot uh, for Discord. Uh, if you go to avre.io, uh, you get a, uh, this is a, a bot that you can add to your discord channel. So, uh, if you, if you're not familiar with it, I suggest like doing some Googling and you'll learn more about Avery. Avery is essentially a command line bot. So you type commands to it and it does stuff. So an example is if I type roll 1d20 plus four, uh, it rolls and gives me a 23. Wow. That's great. I rolled a 19. Uh, you can also, so there's a whole bunch of features, uh, but one of the big ones is you can do monster stuff. So you can say monster bandit, and it gives you the full statistics for a bandit. Uh, you can then also do MA, which is monster attack, bandit scimitar, and it will roll a bandit attacks with a scimitar. Do I have funny hair? Um, or the bandit has funny hair. Uh, so that's all great. It used to be... And it still is for everybody right now, but very soon it's going to be connected to your D&D Beyond account, which means all of the material you have in D&D Beyond is now in here. So now I can type M, I can type monster. Uh, and what was one of the monsters I was going to do? Uh, one of the crazy ones. Uh, Necromite of Merkel. And it pulls up the stats for a Necromite of Merkel. Right, so now I can do ma necromite claws, and it rolls a necromite of Merkel attacks with the claws of the grave. This is non. Uh, uh, this is non. Is my hair real crazy? This guy's got crazy hair too. Uh, 
This feature, yes, Evil John is correct. This feature is not yet generally available. Uh, I because I have a D&D Beyond Insider account, I got early access to it. But it's you know it works well for me. And talking to Adam Bradford, uh, who's the leader of the D&D Beyond team, he said that Avre is the developer of Avre is is an employee of D&D Beyond. So D&D Beyond is doing the development of Avre. Avre itself is an open source program, but um, D&D Beyond is running doing the development on it. And they, um, this is something people have been asking for. So you can do spell, uh, toll, and it says toll the dead. You know, these are, these are um, all of the material you have access to in D&D Beyond. You can then pull up through Avre uh, by linking your Discord account with your D&D Beyond account, which was very easy to do. And um, so this is a huge, you know, I can do monster, Orcus, and I get, look at that, I got, his stat block is huge, but I have access to Orcus, right? I can do uh, monster um, uh, bone knight, and I get the bone knight uh, stat block from Eberron. So you've seen I've, I've pulled up stuff from Morden Canaan's out of the abyss, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. You remember that Witherling? I can do monster Witherling, and I get a null Witherling, right? And then I can do my monster attack, right? Uh, Witherling bite. Uh, and um, why did it? Oh, no Witherling attacks with a bite. You know, bang. So real straightforward, right? Good, good stuff. Anyway, fantastic feature. Huge advantage for Avre. Huge advantage to play D and D and Discord. Wonderful, wonderful feature. It also means as a player, you will have access to all of the player character stuff that isn't in the SRD. You can now access through Avre, or you will soon be able to as soon as they make this openly available. I have a feeling it's, it's right on the horizon. And I, I, I found it by accident yesterday uh, playing in our, in our one-on-one game. And uh, boy, it was, it was cool. So I wanted to show that off uh, before the show. Uh, but now I need to run off and get ready for the game. So I want to thank everybody for coming today. Uh, really appreciate having everybody in chat. Nice, nice big audience today. Always, always a good time. Thank you all for coming, and I will see you next Sunday when we prep for our game. Maybe I might have another show before then. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, but thank you all for coming. Have a great day, and get out there and play some D&D.